You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Um, week two of Anthem Church, we are so glad that you're here. Um, and it's holiday weekend, so you guys, you guys are the, like the few, the proud the committed, right? Or maybe you're the few, the proud, the ones that didn't have anything else going on or something. I'm not sure which one it is. But we, we are glad that you're here. Whatever one it is, we're glad that you're here. My name is Luke Hedinger. I'm one of the, the pastors on staff. Um, and I'm actually the college guy. I'm the, I'm the college pastor, um, director of Salt Company. Every time I say that, it's like, oh, I'm the director of Salt. It feels so lofty. But uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the college college pastor of Anthem Church, and if you guys, um, we talk about Salt Company a lot, and a lot meaning this is the second week, so (laughs) as much as we can talk about it being two weeks in, uh, we do talk about Salt Company a lot, and Salt Company is the campus ministry of Veritas Church, so uh, of Veritas, this is not Veritas Church, I came from Veritas Church, this is Anthem Church, Salt Company is the college ministry of Anthem Church, because that's where we're at. And so if you, if you haven't got connected yet, um, we, we meet on, on campus the past two weeks. It just started too, so the past two weeks we've been meeting on campus uh, in the Memorial Union. This week we're changing locations. We're going to be in the Student Center in the Leadership Auditorium. I think I said that right. So at 8 o'clock, and, and also if you are college age, please talk smaller groups, call them connection groups that meet. So we would love to get you guys connected. If you are college age, please talk to me, or um, you know that table on the way out in between the banners. We call that Info Central. And so if you want more information about Salt Company or Connection Group or or just whatever, uh, stop by there. We would love to talk to you and get you connected. Also, if you were here last week, we gave gave everybody a chance. Like Connection Groups, I just want to put a plug in for this because Connection Groups are like the lifeblood of what we do here at Anthem Church. So if if you're a community person, you're like, man, I would would like to get connected, please stop by uh, Info Central on your way out and talk to to Rachel or whoever's going to be standing out there about getting connected. With a connection group, we also have. I think we have tear off things on your on your uh, little things, the the sheets that you got when you walked in. Anybody see that? Yeah, there we go. I love a responsive responsive group. So you can fill that out, tear that off, give it to them at Info Central on your way out um, this morning, and we'd love to get you connected. All right, enough with that. This morning, what we're going to do is we are. I get the privilege to start us off in the Book of Ephesians. All right, so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, it's, it's towards the back of the Bible, um, the book of Ephesians. It started out being a letter, but I get, the, I get the opportunity and the privilege to start us off in this book this week. And as uh, we have teachers meeting every week, me and Stan and uh, Todd, and we, we get together and we talk about the, the passage and what we're going to do and where we're going to take it. And, and as I was looking at the passage that they gave me to teach on this week, I was like, oh, thanks a lot, guys. You gave me two verses. So I get two verses this morning to, to kind of intro this book, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the, this church in Ephesus in this letter. And this morning, I want to give you a heads up of where we're going, because um, I don't really like surprises. I feel like most people don't like surprises, so I want to give you a heads up of where we're going. All right. I believe, and I think what we see in our culture, and even as we're going to look at this morning in, in uh, this, these two verses in Ephesians chapter 1, that there are people who are religious and lost, and there are people who are reckless and lost. 
right? I'm going to do this a lot. This is, just think about this being a spectrum, okay? So there are people who are religious and lost and people who are reckless and lost. And yet grace and peace are available to both. All right, that's, what, that's where I want to go this morning. That's what I want to talk about. And, and in order to do that, to get there, we're going to look at three things, okay? We're going to look at who wrote this letter, we're going to look at who received this letter, and we're going to look at the first words of the author of this letter. All right, so let's get into it. Um, I, was, I was going through this again this morning, and uh, my timer went off at 30 minutes, and I was halfway through, so I figured I better talk faster or cut things out, so we better get going. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's, that's where we're going. So let's, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. I praise you for the truth that we can get from it, even in such a small passage. And God, I pray that you would be with us here this morning. Even though it's a smaller crowd, God, we know that um, you, you work and you move and you don't care about numbers. And, and so, God, we just, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to, to comprehend. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your name. Amen. All right, so, so first of all, you guys remember the first thing that we're going to go through? I, I like responsive people, okay? So not that I don't like you if you're not responsive I like you more if you are. Okay, let's just leave it at that. But you guys remember the first thing that we're going to go through this morning? Who wrote it? Right. Who wrote it? Well, who wrote it? As we read this, as we read this passage, who wrote it? Paul, right? He, I mean, basically, he's like, hey, what's up? I'm Paul. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we start out. But he describes himself just a little bit in this first verse. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. All right. So this idea of an apostle all right, this, this is literally somebody who is sent out by Jesus, sent out on mission. All right, so we have the apostles in the New Testament, and these people that were, that were sent out on mission, the original guys, the, the original 12. And so Paul is saying, look, I am one of those. I'm one of those people. I'm sent out by Jesus, by the will of God. And, and, and if you know Paul's background, we don't have time to get into it this morning, but if you know Paul's background, you know, like, you know, he's, he's on the road to Damascus and, and, uh, he gets knocked off his horse by the risen Jesus, right? He gets knocked off his horse. He gets blinded. And Paul's like, who are you? And, and Jesus is like, why are you, why are you persecuting my church? He's like, I don't even know who you are. He's like, I'm Jesus. Right? And Paul's like, okay, enough said you're God. I'm, I'm good. And from that point on, Paul is a changed guy. Right? And so he's saying, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He says, it wasn't anything that I did. And we see this, we see this unpacked in, in the book of, of Philippians, which is, which is one book right after Ephesians. And it's going to be up on the screen. If you didn't bring your Bibles this morning, don't worry, it's up on the screen. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible at home, um, we have Bibles out of Info Central, right, that table between the banners. We have Bibles out there, so if you don't have a Bible, please grab one on your way out. Um, and if you have Bibles at home that are just collecting dust, use those. Okay, don't take ours, but if you don't, all right. I tend to be sarcastic. But anyway, so Paul, he, he breaks down more of who he is in this book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, and again, it's going to be up on the screen. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 4. 
He says this, though I myself, now again, this is Paul talking, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Which, you know, you read that and it's like, wow, Paul is kind of a jerk, right? But there's context here, and again, there's so much that I would love to get into, we just don't have time this morning. But the reason Paul is doing this is because there's, there's these Jewish people coming into this church, and they're talking to people who have accepted and submitted their lives to Jesus, and he's basically... They're saying, hey, that's great that you believe in Jesus, but that's not quite enough. You need to do all this other stuff too. You need to add to what Jesus did. All right, and Paul's saying, look, it's not about that. And, and I know, because if anybody has confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he goes on to say in verse five, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. You know, it's like, boom, right? If anybody has confidence in the law, in the flesh, you're looking at them, right? I've got more. I mean, if you break that down, he starts off by saying, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, circumcision, um, I'm not going to go into the details. If you don't know, you can ask your parents. Um, but circumcision, this was, this was a physical representation of, of the fact that if you were circumcised, then you were under the covenant of God, under the covenant of Moses, the Old Testament covenant. I don't know why God chose circumcision. It seems weird to me, but he did, and that's what, that's what they have. And so these people were coming in and saying, look, it's great that you have accepted Jesus and submitted your life to him, but if you're not circumcised, then you're not part of the covenant because that's what we have from the Old Testament. And so these, these grown men there are saying, you gotta take this step, you gotta, you gotta do this thing. And Paul's saying, look, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. If that does anything for anybody, it's me. I, I started out in that, right? He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. See, the people of Israel, they were Jewish people. They were split up into 12 different tribes. Paul is saying, look, I can trace my lineage back to this one specific tribe. And he's basically saying that the tribe of Benjamin, this is the tribe that King David came from. Even if you weren't raised in church, I think you know about King David, right? King David is this like mythic king in the Old Testament. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's my family line. And so he's saying like that all the 12 tribes of, of Israel, the Jewish people, like were here right? Gentiles in that day and age, they were believed Gentiles. So anybody non-Jewish, right? They were here. And he's like, if there is like better or worse within Jewish people, he's like, I'm the tribe of Benjamin. Boom. I'm here. And he, he says of the tribe of, of Benjamin, he goes on, he says a Hebrew of Hebrews. And, and as you read that, it's like the first time I read it, it's like, it, it made me think of when you talk about somebody and it's like, wow, he's a man's man, right? Like a guy that's like, he, he can grow a beard, like a full beard, like, like down, you know, Todd had the, he, over here, he, at one time he had this beard that was like down to here. And it's like, <laughs> Todd's a man's man, right? But all, not, not only that, not only is Paul saying like, I'm a Hebrew's Hebrew, right? I'm a, I'm a Jew's Jew, but he's, he's basically saying I can trace like my, my lineage, my ethnicity, it's pure. So that was a big deal to Jewish people. 
Because for, for hundreds of years, they had been oppressed by Gentile uh, outside influences, outside kingdoms. And, and these Gentile people would come in, these non-Jewish people would come in, and they would take people, tribes of, of Israel, they would take them out, and they would put their people in. Those people would intermarry. And what would happen most of the time is they, those people that brought, came in, they would bring other gods. And so by this time, the idea of being ethnically pure they equated that with being religiously pure. They equated being ethnically pure with being acceptable before God. And Paul's saying, you can't get any purer than I am. He goes on, and he starts talking about the law. He says, um, all right, I gotta find my place. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. All right, he... Uh, First of all, sorry, as to the law of Pharisee, right? He's, he's basically saying, all right, there's these factions within Judaism. I was under the most strict one. We didn't dance. We didn't play cards, right? I didn't date, everybody always says, I didn't date girls who cuss, smoke, and chew, or date girls who do somehow, whatever that works out to be, right? He's like, I was the strict, we were in the strictest. And he says, as to zeal, as to passion for what I believed in, persecutor of the church, he says, whenever anything popped up that, that was going against what I believed and what I, against the, the true religion, he says, I squashed it. He, he not only did it with his neighbors, but he went to neighboring towns, and his reputation grew as, as a persecutor of the church. He says, I was passionate about what I believed in, to the point that I threw people in jail who didn't believe the way I believed. To the point where when, when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts, one of the first Christian martyrs, Paul was there giving, giving favor to it. He was, he was watching people's coats. Like People were like, hey, Paul, hold my coat. I got to kill this guy. He's like, oh, yeah, good job. Go do that. I'll hold your coat, right? He was, he was pleased with what was going on. He, he goes on to say, um, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. You see, what is Paul doing here? What Paul is doing, he's laying out his spiritual resume. Right? You guys, have you ever, have you ever created a resume before? Some of you are in the middle of the job hunt, right? Some of you as students, you're, you're getting to the place where it's like, I need to do that soon. Right? A, a resume, what is a resume if it's not just a list of things that people should accept you for? Like if you're, if you're writing up your resume and sometimes I remember writing up a resume and I'm like, how do I make myself sound better, right? It's like, okay, I can speak two languages. Hola, right? That's one. Yo tengo un gato. I can say that, like Spanish, right? That's, I have a cat if you didn't know that. Um, that's the only thing I remember from high school. And like, I think I can, like pig Latin, doesn't that count, right? So two languages, we'll put that on my resume. It's basically you saying, this is why I should be accepted. When you go to a boss, when you go to somebody who's, who's trying to offer jobs, you're like, okay, this is why you would be a fool not to accept me because I'm me. And here's my resume. And Paul is saying, look, we do that spiritually all the time. You ever talk to somebody, or, or maybe even you, if you start to talk to somebody about, like, well, do you believe there's a heaven or a hell? A lot of people believe that there's a heaven. Not very many people believe there's a hell. And if people believe there's a heaven, when you start asking them, well, if there is a heaven, would you go there? Well, yeah, of course. Well, why would you go there? Right? Or if you ask somebody, well, are you, are you saved? Are you a Christian? 
Well, yeah, well, of course. Yeah, me and Jesus are cool. Well, why? What do they do? What do you do? You start going through a list, right? You start going through a list and you start saying, well, I was raised in this kind of home. My parents were this kind of people. I, I, I did this. Like, I went to some kind of class at some point when I was younger, catharsis or something with a C, right? Um, and and I, I stood up in front of a group of people and I said this thing and, and, and I'm good, right? Right? It, it's, when I was in, I grew up in a, in a church and, and I remember being in children's church and when we would come in, my mom actually taught it. We had this thing called Kids of the Kingdom, right? And we'd come in and we'd get these sashes, these, these baby blue sashes. And so we, we'd come into class, I'd put my sash on, and we'd, we'd had all these patches because if you, if you memorize scripture, that was one patch of perfect attendance. That was another, I, I think it was perfect attendance, which was the one, it was like a metal um, like a medal you pinned on your sash. And if you, if you kept having perfect attendance, then you could hook bars under the medal. And so it was like a general. Like, he, like these kids in children's church, it's like you, could, you see the ones that's like they're walking in like with their sash. It's like other kids with sash with one badge on it. It's like <laughs> one badge sash. Obviously, he sucks, right? It's like... That we, Paul is basically saying, look, you do, we do this spiritually all the time. Why are you accepted? Why are you forgiven? Well, I do this and I do that, I do that. Look what Paul says right after this. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. What he's saying is he's saying that sash... My resume, my list of things, the the reasons why I should be accepted when I go to God and be like, God, you would be a fool not to have me on your team. He says, all of that I consider rubbish. It's trash. It's it's poop. I told my wife, I'm like, I I think I'm going to say poop a lot this morning. She's like, please don't. Right. But. But it, it's like Paul is saying it doesn't mean anything because sinful people cannot work their way back into relationship with a holy God. Let me illustrate that for you. I asked Joel, right before I came up here, if I could use him in an illustration. So Joel and Rachel, could you guys come up here? So Rachel's on staff with us. Joel's one of the leaders in the church. Rachel's like, you didn't ask me, but I figured she's on staff. We can pick on them. Um, So Joel is one of our connection group leaders. So if you guys want to get into a connection group, talk to Joel afterwards. He's he's a great guy. So you guys stand down here. All right, so Joel and Sarah, how long have you guys been married? Rachel. Did I keep saying Sarah? Okay, good. I, that would be embarrassing. So Rachel, Joel, Rachel, how long have you guys been married? 18 years. 18 years. That's kind of a, put you on the spot, right? But you did good. Date, you know the date. We won't ask you, but we'll just take that for, for what it's worth. All right, so, so Joel and Rachel, they've been married 18 years, okay? So there's, there's this relationship here. There's this bond, right, that they have. Right? It's, we're scared of it. Yeah, we're scared. That's all right. I didn't, yeah, I should have went through this before then. But anyway, all right, so what if, let's, we see this. This is the way things are supposed to be, right? What if, now this is just an analogy, so don't get mad at each other, right? But, but what if Joel 
What if he cheated on Rachel? All right, so Joel comes over here. Right. So now this is broken. Something that was meant to be a beautiful union, something that was meant to even even represent and exemplify Christ, the, the love of Christ for his people, now this is broken. Now let me ask you, what could Joel do to get back in relationship with Rachel? What do you think? What if, what if Joel bought Rachel flowers? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the girls in the front of the show. <laughs> what if that, but I mean, I'm not talking about like daisies, right? The, or carnations. I'm talking like the good flowers, like roses, tulips. No? What if, what if, what if Joel, I'm trying to, think, what if Joel like cleaned Rachel's car for her? Like, like when she's at work, he comes by, gets her car, he goes, cleans it, detail, like even details it, like cleans out the, the vents and everything, and then brings it back with a little note saying, hey, love you, here's your car. Would that? No. What if, what if Joel got crazy and named a star after her? It's like, that's the Rachel star, right? What if, what if he called into Delilah and had a song requested for, in honor of his undying love for Rachel? Okay, and then, and then think about this. What if one day Rachel comes downstairs and Joel is sitting at the kitchen table eating breakfast like nothing happened? And Rachel's like, what are you doing? And Joel says, what, you didn't get my flowers? Pfft, come on, we're good, right? see, there is nothing that Joel can do to, to make this right, right? There's nothing that he can do. There's no action that he can perform. There is no duty that he can do to make this right. The only way this is right is if Rachel forgives Joel. That's the only way this relationship gets fixed. Do you see that? You guys can sit down. See, see when we look at the gospel... When we look at what Paul is talking about here, he's saying, look, this is a broken relationship. We are broken people. That's what sin is. We have put things in front in place of God, and this is broken, and we can't do anything to fix this. We can't, we can't buy God flowers. We can't memorize enough verses. We can't do anything as sinful people to get back in relationship with a holy God. The only way this gets fixed is if God loves us enough to forgive us. You see, Paul, Paul was incredibly religious and incredibly lost in his religion. And then, and then we have the people who received the letter. That's who, that's who wrote the letter. But then we have the people who received the letter, right? We have uh, in, in Ephesians, again, Ephesians 1 says, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now again, the, the, the word saints, he's not... He's not referring to people who have been vetted by the Catholic Church or people who, you know, their face shows up on toast and so everybody comes and sees the toast with the Ephesians face on. Like, he's not talking about that. This is a, this is a term where Paul is, is using for people who have put their faith in Christ, who have submitted their lives to Christ, but who were the Ephesians? Uh, if, if you look at the city of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus was a huge metropolis. It was 250,000 people strong. Um, Incredible, incredible population for that day. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was, it was the gateway to Asia. 
So if you think about it, it's in the east of modern Turkey, like on the eastern coast. So if you have Turkey here, all right, there's Ephesus here. Here's like Rome here. You guys get in my map. All right, here's like Israel and all the here. This is, you guys tracking with me? And here's, here's Ephesus, all right? And, and then you have Asia. And so, so all these trade routes came through Ephesus. It was a, it was a port city. And so this was a major metropolis. Not only was it a major metropolis, but, but Ephesus was known for the temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis. And interesting fun fact, there was a temple in Ephesus before the city was even named Ephesus. There was a temple there before there was a city there. You see, um, as I was reading uh, I read about how there were these, um, these, peop- these native people in this area who had built this temple to their deity named uh, Artemis. And, and one, one commentary called them the Amazons. So I don't know if this is like where Wonder Woman comes from or, or not. And if you're not a geek, you probably don't get that reference. But anyway, we'll just move right on. Um, but, but then after, after the Amazon, the, the Greeks come in and they kind of kick the Amazons out. And so there's this temple there. So they're like, oh, that's cool. We'll just adopt that into, into our religion. We'll call it Diana. All right? And then, and then the, the Greeks lived there for about 400 years. And then the Persians came in. Persians adopted the temple, and then the, the Persians didn't last very long, so then the Greeks came back in, kicked the Persians out, and then the Romans finally come in. And all of these different people, at some point in there, these barbarians came in, burned the temple down, they built it, the Romans built it back up, um, and it became one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Stan, actually, our, our head pastor, he was there a couple years ago, and he said, yeah, have you seen it now? It's like a pillar and a half with a bird's nest on top. Not super, uh, not super impressive. But at that day, it was huge. And people all over came to the city of Ephesus because they knew there they could worship this deity. And so culturally, to be an Ephesian meant you were a worshiper of Diana. And worshiping Diana meant like things like temple prostitution and, and all of these just, just not good practices. Not only were they, they known for this, but the, the city of Ephesus was known for sorcery and witchcraft. Right? And, and, and not like Hogwarts, like, oh, you know, Harry Potter. and all. I mean, this was pretty dark stuff. I mean, they, they, it, even I was reading one, one place that, that said that um, in, in speaking of, of writings in antiquity, like ancient writings, to say that something was an Ephesian writing meant that it was, it was something about sorcery or witchcraft. That's how closely these things were tied. So not only were, were they worshiping this deity and practicing all kinds of things in that, but this idea of witchcraft and, and sorcery, this was so ingrained in, in who they were because there was so much. In, if you read in Acts 19, which we're going to go there in just a second, if you read there, there was so much demonic influence in this city. There was so much fear. In Acts 19, it talks about how there were resident um, uh, exorcists. Like people, if you, if you had a problem with a demon, you would go to this resident exorcist and they would try and help you out. It would, the demonic influence was so prevalent and so people would try and use spells to, to deal with all these things going on in their lives. And, and these people, they were like, if, if Paul is on this side of the spectrum, these people were over here, they were just recklessly lost, engaged in all these different things. And, and people on this side of the spectrum, they were kind of like those people, right? And we all know what I mean by those people, Right? They were the type of people that people on this side would judge pretty easily. 
Because the lostness over here is kind of culturally acceptable, right? I mean, if you're, if you're going to church and you're a model citizen and you're finding your, finding your trust and your, your security in that, nobody's going to be like, oh, wow, you really, we need to have an intervention, right? This is, this is tough. But, but people over here looking at people over there, they're like, those people need help. These were the people, not to, not to offend y'all this morning, but these were the people that maybe they would be the ones you'd see downtown on Thursday and Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. They're the people that's like, those people need help. But luckily, there's nobody like that here this morning, right? See, these people were the ones engaged in all this stuff that you don't want your parents to know about that you did at one point. But I love when I read Acts 19 and I read about what, what happened when those people experienced Jesus. Acts 19, um, starting with verse, what do I have up there? Acts 19, I think starting with verse 17. Yeah, thank you. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, this being just what God was doing. There were some incredible things. Go back and read Acts 19 when you have more time. There's some awesome stuff happening in this area. And it became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord was extolled. It was lifted high. It was praised. It was worshiped. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So what happens when those people experience Jesus? Right? What happens when, when those people who are saying, well, this is who I am, this is my identity, culturally, religiously, spiritually, this is who I am, they're recklessly lost, without hope. And yet what happened when they experienced Jesus was they started to root out the things in their lives. And, and I want you to get this. This wasn't, they, they didn't come divulging and confessing in order to receive Jesus. So many people, it's that analogy that says, well, I'm too dirty to take a bath. Even though that argument, for some reason, my son thinks that works, it doesn't, right? It's like the purpose of a bath, the purpose of a shower is to get clean. See, you don't try and clean yourself up before you come to Jesus, but when you experience Jesus, things change. See, they, they started coming, and, and it says they, they were, were confessing and divulging and all these things, and they're basically saying, look, after what I've experienced, this stuff I want to get rid of this because I know that this stands in the way of a, of a relationship with God. This, this gap right here, I don't want anything that will come between me and a loving God. Right? And so they, they start rooting out all these different things. They start their spells. In this day, the, it, was, it was believed that your spell, the, the potency of your spell, was directly tied to how secret it was. And so they come confessing and saying, this is what I was doing. And it took the power away from it. And they came and they threw their scrolls, all these, these, these writings about sorcery and, and witchcraft, they threw them on the fire before Jesus. And they're like, I don't want any of this. Nothing that is going to come in between me and a loving God, the grace and the peace that I can have through Jesus Christ. I don't want any of it. And somebody somewhere was taking note and they were like, oh man, that scroll, that, was, that had to have been worth uh, how much, you know, 50 pieces of silver. And it says it, it came to about 50,000 pieces of silver. 
That works out to about 50,000 days wages. If you're not good at math, which I'm not, I did the, I did the math, got my calculator out. And basically, that, that idea of 50,000 days wages, it was 300 and, I don't know, I lost my place. It was about 137 years worth of, worth of wages. In, in our culture today, that would be about $7 million worth of scrolls and things that they threw on the fire. See, they were basically saying, look, I know this is going to cost me. I know that I'm going to have to change a lot of things in my, but, but after what I've experienced, man, these things don't matter. In the same way that Paul's saying, my resume, man, I throw it on the fire before Jesus. They're saying all these things that I found peace and security and hope in, it doesn't matter. I mean, how many, you ask yourself, how much do you have to be in something to be in it $7 million worth? Like, I was talking to a guy not too long ago about Pokemon Go, right? The game you play on your phone, you walk around, you, you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I spent $10 on Pokeballs. I was like, $10 on Pokeballs? You are really into Pokemon Go, right? I mean, these people, this been $7 million. I say, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm bringing this all out of the darkness I'm, I'm putting it before Jesus. And I love, I love how Paul addresses them in Ephesians. He says, I want to read it again, to the saints. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul knew these people's background. He knew culturally what they were, what, what they were coming from. Paul had spent three years with these people, teaching and preaching and, and, and building them up and raising them up and discipling them. He had spent so much time with them. He knew their background. He knew what it meant to be an Ephesian, right? He knew what they stood for culturally. And so how can Paul call them saints? Because they're in Christ Jesus. What does that term in Christ Jesus mean? It means that all those things that they identified themselves, they put that before Jesus and said, I want to submit to you. It's not about my resume. It's not about my recklessness. It's not about any of this stuff. I want to put these things before you, God. I want, I want you. I want to be found in you. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I submit to you. And yes, I know that costs me something. I know that that means I'm, I'm, I may have to change, but I, it's so worth it. So, so you might be sitting, that's who received it, right? So you might be sitting in here today saying, well, but I, I mean, I'm not religious. Like, I wouldn't say I'm on this side of the spectrum. I'm not religious. I don't have a sash, right? I, I'm, I'm more spiritual than religious. A lot of people say that today for what, I mean, whatever that means. I don't, I don't know, but they're like, well, I'm not religious. And I wouldn't say I'm on this side of things. Like I'm not reckless. Yeah. I don't do everything I should. And I should pray more. And sometimes I get a little too drunk. <laughs> right. But, and, and say, well, I, I feel like I'm more in the middle. So I win. Right. It's like, no, this side is lost. This side is lost. And it, this is lost. Right? If you say, well, why aren't you over here? Or, or why, why aren't you this? Or why aren't you that? What do you do? You start making up another list. What is that? Just another resume. It doesn't save us. It doesn't, you being in the middle is you saying, well, I'm good enough. It doesn't fix that. See, what, what Paul, the, the first thing that Paul says here to these people, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He says, he says, be found in Christ because in Christ it's grace and peace to you. Now this is a, this is a common phrase, common greeting to people in, in this day and age, especially among Jews. They had kind of a similar greeting and Paul is basically saying, look, this is, yeah, this is kind of similar, but he hijacks it and he gives it more meaning. It would be like if we were saying, Hey, how you doing? You're not asking somebody how they're doing. You're asking, you're just saying hi, right? It'd be like if I said, Todd, how you doing? Or Todd, how you doing? Right? And then Todd's like, I, I don't know how to answer this now. Like, this, that has weight, right? And Paul is saying, grace, peace to you. Which this is to, to the Ephesians where, where Paul knew their background. Paul knew this was an incredible greeting. This was a greeting to Christians. And he's saying, grace and peace to you, Ephesians. Yes, I know your background, but you are in Christ. Your identity is different. You are different. Grace and peace to you. Right? That first word, grace, it means unearned or unmerited favor of God. You see, for, for those of us who maybe we grew up in this religious lostness, we would say, well, I grew up in church. I, I did all these things. See, I believe what we need to do in here this morning is we need to just get rid of that resume. We need to lay that down before God because that doesn't fix that. And those of you, those of us who, who maybe it's like you've been keeping this in the darkness, you're still that recklessly lost person. See, I believe that what God is asking us to do is to say, will, will you let go of that? Will you let me have that? Will you let that be in the light? Real quick, I, my wife and I, when we've been married for 14 years, my wife Allie, and we've got two awesome kids, and she's beautiful and awesome. And, um, but before we got married, uh, she, she went down to, to Georgia, and she was doing an internship down in Georgia. We, we went to school up in Iowa, a small Bible college. I went to Kirksville and uh, did an internship there, and it was a really rough summer. It was probably the roughest summer I've ever had, and I was, I was a believer, I was a Christian, and yet in that time, I had cheated on my then girlfriend. And I remember calling her, and I remember talking to her about it, and I remember kind of confessing a little bit, but it was just enough that it would make me not try and not feel as guilty as I felt. Because I, I, I held back so much and, and I kept this in the dark because, because I, I thought, what if, what if I let all of this out? She's not going to want to be with me. She's not going to want to stay with me. If I let her see what I've truly done and who I truly am, then, then I'm going to lose everything. And I don't know if I can pay that cost. And so for the, over the next year, what happened was anytime, we, I mean, anytime I went to like a worship service or anything like that, and we were in Bible college, so we were in worship services every day. Like we had chapel every day. And when things would get too real, I would just check out. When God would start to poke at my heart and he would start to peel away the, the layers that I had made to, to kind of cover that and to keep it in the darkness, I'd just be like, no, it's too hard. And yet when I, when I finally came to the point where I said, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let her see what I've done. I confess those things to you. It was really hard. And yet there was so much freedom in that. See, those of us who, maybe you're still in that place. Grace to you. 
A loving God has come and he has restored this relationship. Not only grace, but peace to you. Now you think about this, you think about the, this culture and being oppressed by all these outside influences. This would have been such a good greeting. Grace and peace to you. Right? Peace. You don't have to worry about all these demonic influences and all this outside stuff. And guys, we, we're said, well, we don't deal with that. We deal with so much uncertainty, don't we? I mean, we just got through all this presidential stuff and it's going to ramp up again and it's all based on fear. Both sides. doesn't matter who you are and in the middle. Like everybody is based on fear. There's fear about what's going to happen in, in our United States. There's fear about what's happening around the world. And I believe that what we can take to rest in and what Paul is telling these people is, yes, grace to you. You have been given favor by God that you don't earn and you don't deserve. But in that, you find peace. We can trust in the fact that God is a good God and he is in control. Amen? Grace and peace to you. Guys, I want to I end with this. The worship team, you guys can come on up. As I said, I believe that there are a lot of people in here this morning that would find themselves on that spectrum somewhere. There are people who, who you need to get rid of your resume need to lay that aside. And there are people in here who you have things in the darkness that you need to let God deal with. But I want to ask you, you know what happens when that happens? In the book of Acts, I think I have it up on the screen, Acts, Acts 19, it, it talks about how when, when these people who experienced Jesus, when that started happening, the word of the Lord just went crazy. It says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase. In, in Acts 19, verse 10, when, when Paul was teaching, it says, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Let me read that. All the residents of Asia. That's a big place, right? All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. See, I believe that when we become people who lay, lay our resumes on the altar before Jesus, when we lay our, our recklessness on the altar before Jesus, and when we, when we say, this is not me anymore, you take this, I don't want anything in between here. When we are people who do that, you can't hold that back. There's so much grace and peace. And I believe that if Anthem Church, if we were a church full of people who, who realized that looking and sounding good does not equate to being good, that doesn't equal being good, that, that if somebody asked us, why are you a believer? And we stop talking about the things we do and start talking about the things that Jesus has done on our behalf for us. When we start walking in that and realizing that there is grace and peace for me, even though my past is over here, even though I have done all these things, there is grace and peace for me. When we start walking in that, Columbia is going to be impacted. Missouri is going to be impacted. Can I say the country would be impacted if we were people who started walking in that? And so this morning, no matter where you are on that, on that spectrum, I want you to hear this. Grace and peace to you through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. God, I praise you for, for who you are. 
I praise you for the fact that you are a loving God and you have restored a relationship with your people. And God, I pray that you would help us to walk in that. God, if there are people here who, who stay, they're still holding on to their sins or there are people here that are still holding on to their resumes, God, I pray that you would help them to release those things and just put their trust in you. Thank you guys so much. It's in your name. Amen.